0: Among the three. We are still asking ourselves many days, now what do we do with these three boys? You all have those events in your life. For some of you, going off to college. You get there, you're going through a summer of high school graduation parties, your family's excited, you show up in your dorm room, uh, you spend, uh, well, some people spend ornate amount of hours decorating the room and getting it ready, and then mom and dad leave and go home, and you ask that question, now what? And mom and dad's on the way home asking the same question. That person is not sitting at supper. We're not going to a soccer event for them. That now what begins to happen. That feeling after big news, sometimes sad news, the grief of when someone's gone out of your life. My grandfather, one of the heroes of my life, passed away four years ago. And he was my fishing buddy. I always would go fishing with him. And even now when I, when I do go fishing, I have that moment of, how do you do some of those things that you did with this person? That now what feeling? We all have it. We all experience it. Do we dare go back to the same old way of doing things? In our text this morning, in Luke 24, the disciples and the followers of Jesus were having that same now what feeling going on their hero their savior their person that they were doing ministry with in day in and day out for three years had passed away and had risen from the dead and was making appearances to several groups of them and we're going to pick up in verse 35 where we see some of these appearances starting to take place then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Just as his side, even in Revelation chapter 1, when John has his vision and Jesus shows up as this amazing, terrifying, wonderful warrior priest... His first words to John, his words to the disciples then, his words to us today are, peace be with you. We serve a risen Savior who is willing to bring us comfort and peace to us. He asked them in verse 38, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. And then he said, and this is where I want us to kind of key on with to start off this morning. When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He started beginning to answer the now what question for them by going back to the past to remind them where they had come from and what was going on throughout history. To help answer the now what question for us, to answer that after Easter after our big celebration, we have to go back to the heart of the Father. What was motivating God? Why lead things to this point in history? What was driving God? You see, the heart of God is for all people, all nations, everyone on this planet, to be in a relationship with him. And so Jesus began to open up the scriptures to show that everything that happened at the point was pointing to him and his death and his resurrection to make that very reality happen. We find the heart of God has always been about bringing people and the nations into a right relationship with him. The Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi shows this over and over about God the Father. From the very beginning, when mankind fell into sin, God had a plan to redeem us all. Genesis 3.15, when everything was laid out and we found out what Adam and Eve had eaten of the fruit and what they had done, they had disobeyed God and mankind fell and they fell out of relationship with God. He's talking To the serpent, the tempter. And he says in Genesis 3.15, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. God already was beginning to put a plan into motion to bring us back to him. We see it played out throughout all the Old Testament. Genesis 9, the end of the flood. He has a covenant with Noah that says, I'm going to save mankind. Genesis 12, 1, 3. He starts a covenant with Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, in verse 1, Genesis chapter 12, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And listen to this. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And that covenant with Abraham would be Cited four more times between God and Abraham. Even the last book of the Old Testament, before the period of silence between Malachi and Matthew, in chapter 1, verse 11, my name will be honored by people of all nations from morning till night. All around the world they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And we can go on and on. I'm just going to read you a few. I stopped at about 100 references. There's even more. Exodus 19, Israel will be a kingdom of priests, setting up Israel to be a blessing to others. Exodus 9, I raised you for this very purpose, that my name may be proclaimed to all the earth. Deuteronomy 10, 19, you are to love all those around you, especially those who are immigrants or aliens. Deuteronomy 28.10, all the peoples on the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord. Joshua 4.24, so that all the peoples of the earth might know me. It goes on and on in Samuel, in Kings, in Chronicles. Psalms is full of it. The Lord Lord judge all peoples. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. Their words to the end of the world. All the family of the nations will bow down to me. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The nations and those who make them up will praise me forever and ever. That's just Psalm 33. Keeps going and going and going and going. In Isaiah, nations will come to your light. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. They will proclaim glory, my glory, among the nations. In Ezekiel, in Daniel, in Micah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Nations on every shore will worship me. It keeps going. And there's many, many more references. I finally stopped. So when we began to ask the now what question, we have to put that question into context of this moment when Jesus was speaking to those disciples of thousands of years of history of God marching, the heartbeat of, I want to bring you back into relationship with me. And I'm going to culminate that in sending my son Jesus to die a death that we deserve and to be raised from the dead. What led to that event that we celebrated last week is the incredible and amazing love of our creator, God the Father, and his love for all people and all nations. Ralph Winter states, we must choose this day whether we will hide our eyes from the need and close our eyes to the call, or whether we will tackle with new decisiveness mixed with humility and devotion the unchanging command of a faithful God who is still seeking people. On every shore of every nation. See, we are a people that are free and forgiven. And that's what we celebrated last week. But what do we do with that? To answer the now what question, what do we do after Easter? We have to also focus on the mission of Christ. Back in our text in verse 46, Jesus continues. And he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. That's our classic Christian message summarized by Jesus in one verse. It's what we believe. And this mission from Christ is again for all people in all nations. Jesus reminds the believers here in us today that his mission was to accomplish the will of the Father. To bridge that gap. To remember in the garden he even prayed, Father, if this is what you want me to do, your will be done, not mine. I will do it. And just a few verses, we all know them. Matthew 1.21, Mary will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 20.28, 20, just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve, to give his life up as a ransom for many. We know these verses. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. Jesus was about kingdom business. He was about his Father's work constantly. Romans 5.6, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. We are free and forgiven as a result of the message of Easter. And if you've accepted Jesus into your life and heart and you have repented and surrendered to him, you are now a part of that free and forgiven kingdom, that group that that calls on God as their Lord and Savior. His whole life, Jesus, was pointing to the cross and the resurrection to do what we could not do for ourselves. Everything had a strategy behind it. When his first miracle, he was telling his mom, not yet, my time's not here yet. He would tell people when he healed them and touched them and did miracles, don't tell other people about it. My time's not here yet. His whole life was pointed toward that event on the cross and that resurrection. So here is where we began to answer the now what question. We have to understand and feel those thousands of years of history and to understand that event that happened that we celebrated last week. And then in verse 47, Jesus begins to answer the now what question for them. And I want you to catch something here. It hit me like a ton of bricks as I was studying. Verse 47. It was also written. It was also written. Jesus is giving the very next words just as much weight as the two verses we just read. The heart of the Father in all the Old Testament, in the thousands of years of history, check has happened. I have come to suffer and to die and to be raised from the dead so that you can be back in a relationship with God the Father. And we celebrate that. We love that good news. And check, it's happened. And we celebrated it last week. But then he says, and he brings this next statement to our forefront. And this is the now what? It is also written that this message... Would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And the message is there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. In verse 48, you're witnesses of these things. And then the early church begins this ministry, its extension of this continuing history of reaching out. The early church was on mission. To all people, to all nations. Y'all know the verses very well. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end the end of the age. Go and tell others, minister to others. The early church would be waiting. Y'all know the day of Pentecost in Acts 1.8. They were praying, waiting on the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In our text in verse 49, he alludes to that. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. What are we free and forgiven to do? What was the point of all this? It's to restore us into a relationship with Christ, but to grow in that, but to also engage the culture around us and around the world to proclaim that message of freedom and forgiveness to the world. The early church modeled it. They were on mission to all peoples and all nations, and it took all kinds of forms and methods, from administering an offering for the poor in the big cities to missionary trips by Paul, which is the kind of the one that gets the highlight, to administering local service opportunities to widows and orphans, to tent-making and selling things to provide for the ministry, to prayer meetings, to setting up churches, to providing homes for people to meet in, to preaching the gospel, The extension of how each individual person fed into telling others about Jesus was different, but the point is, they were all doing it. So now what? We have the best news in the world. We are good news people. The early church was transformed people, mobilized on the mission of Christ. They were people of the good news. And so are you and I. So now what? time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Eugene Peterson says, the task is not to get God to do something I think needs done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can participate in it. So if you'll permit me, just a few probing questions for us this morning. In your life, as you celebrated last Sunday, where are you participating where God's at work? Where are you participating to reach others for Christ? Are you actively praying for the salvation of family, neighbors, and co-workers? Or have you become distracted? I know for me personally, there's many seasons of my life, if I'm honest, where I have. I've grown numb and complacent to just the rut of life and doing the next activity, the next thing. And I believe many of us may be in that same boat if we're honest. We must with the Lord's help pray for a renewed passion and commitment to sharing the good news with everyone around us. People are desperate to hear it. As we come out of COVID, the pandemic, and whoever decides when we're out of it or not out of it, I'm, I'm not worried about that. I, I just as I'm talking to people and becoming more intentional, there is a great need to answer some of the hardest questions of life that we have answers to. And we have to engage them right here in our community and around the world. How do we begin to do that? How do we begin to walk in a renewed passion and commitment to not just receiving the good news, but to also share it? This is not prescriptive ideas. In other words, I'm not going to be writing a book saying, here's the top ten ways to do this and you should follow and do what I do. It's a heart issue. And it is expressed differently for all of us. That's the freedom in this. But we have to get down to some root heart issues. If we're going to answer the now what? We have to ask ourselves some hard questions like, and I'm asking this for myself as well, do I really believe what I celebrated last week? Now the very Root of it all. Belief in the Bible is a form of the Greek word pistos. Uh, it means faith and believe in. And it, it believes, it's more than believing in something. It's believing on something. Uh, Dr. J. Forseth, one of my mentors, breaks it down in five terms to, to really capture the biblical idea of belief. It means surrender to, trust in, rely on, cling to, and follow. So when we talk about believing in the good news of the gospel, it means that we are surrendering to Jesus, the control of our lives. It means that he is the boss and we surrender to his will. And as we grow in our relationship with him, we see what matters to him. We see that people and nations and people who are oppressed and in bondage, it goes hand in hand. It's it's people who are hungry, who who are thirsty, who don't have a basic living. And it's also the gospel that will... Tell them about how their soul is in peril and needs to be redeemed for all eternity. It is hand in hand. Jesus forgives our sins and cleanses from all unrighteousness. It's this trust that that's happened and believing that. It's trusting in him. It's clinging to. It's relying on. We can't make it on our own. None of us. We desperately need God for everything. God will not fail us. And finally to follow. It's a belief that says that wherever he says to go, I'm going to go. Whatever he says to do, I'm going to do. That question of now what can't be fully understood or answered if you haven't answered the question of do I really believe in what we celebrated last week. There were really believers believed it, and they acted upon it, and it changed everything. Second. You must know your identity in Christ if you're really going to understand the now what question. If you're not secure in who you are in Jesus, then we can very easily get bogged down and pulled away by the distractions of the world. And some of them are deadly distractions. and They cost so much. Don't miss out on what God's doing around you because you don't understand who you are in Christ. Free and forgiven is a powerful concept. That's not just words of the mind, but it's something to be experienced in the every moments of your life. Jesus knew who he was, and that worked hand in hand, connected to his mission. And these are just a few. Again, there's a lot more. I'm just going to read a few identity statements that we find in scriptures. We have been justified, completely forgiven. We have died with Christ into the power of sin rule over my life. I am free forever from condemnation. So that voice in your head that says all the guilty statements in Christ and what we celebrate, we're free from that. You are more than enough in Christ. I am firmly rooted in him and am being built in him. I've been made complete in him. I have died with Christ and I've been raised up with Christ. My life is now hidden with Jesus and Christ is now my life. I've been given a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. I've been saved and set apart to do God's doing. And over and over, this is just three or four I found out of 30, and I don't have time to read them all, and there's even more. Find your identity in Christ, and that sets you free to answer the now what question. Third, and this is so important, we're not meant to be on mission alone. Christ set this up, God set this up that we do it together. We're truly stronger together. Often the mission does not make sense. And I won't participate if I try to do it solo, if I try to do it on my own. It works better together. Jesus did ministry with others. He constantly was pulling people aside to do ministry with. The disciples, he would send them out two by two. The early church, even Paul on his missionary journeys had someone with him. Everything they did when it came to ministry and answering now what question, they did it together. The early church activity is constantly marked by doing ministry and life together. There's many opportunities here at Journey Church to do these things together. Start there. Be a part of a community group where you, can, you, you get to know each other. We're starting up a, a short one here in a, in a week or so, a four-week stretch. Be a part of something to where you can begin to develop a mindset of, I need to begin answering this now, what question? Flex your serving muscles. Flex them here. There's plenty of opportunities here. Begin to ask God to give you a heart of service and develop that because it's an attitude. It's more of a lesson, a checklist of how do I engage the culture and the loss the people who desperately do you surround me. It's more of a, a work of Christ in me. And we do that by flexing those muscles. Serve in the church. There are many opportunities. About 10 years ago, my wife and I were coming off a very painful time in life in ministry. Betrayal, hurt, many of you probably have been there with friends and people. And we just, I, I just wanted to shut down and never go to church again. And my wife wouldn't let me, and so we went to a church, we visited, and I hid, we hid on the back row for about six months. But I cannot tell you, every Sunday, there was an older gentleman that met us in the parking lot shook our hands, and gave us hugs, and said, we're glad you're here. And you may think that's insignificant and not a big deal, but I cannot tell you how many Sundays the grace and love of God was ministered to our family through that hug and that handshake. Something as simple as that. And we sat on that back row for six months, and God healed us through the work of that body. So whether you're greeting people at the door, you're out here waving at people, you're cleaning up, setting up, there is a way to serve and be a part of a bigger group picture. The lights are on. What we're doing, if we're being honest, really isn't just for us to be entertained. The goal of what we're doing is that people will come to know the good news that we celebrated last week. Everything we do has a purpose behind it. Also, be open to serving our community. One of the things I love about Journey Church here is that we're connected to a lot of things around here. Be open to serve worldwide. We're also connected to mission groups and missionaries working around the world to share the gospel. Uh, I have I, I work with a team and a group of people that uh, just landed in Liberia this past week, and they sent me a video last night, and they do a welcome march into their church, which is just a concrete little block slab and the floor is covered in dust and dirt, and they're all barefooted, and they were just celebrating Jesus. And we were doing a work there to set up schools and things like that. There are opportunities to engage in the nations and serving all around us. The excuse is that there's not enough opportunities. That can't be the excuse. Pray. Probably the most important. Pray, pray, pray. Are there people in your life right now, in your community, in your family that need a relationship with Jesus, that need to experience this freedom and this forgiveness that we celebrated last week? Begin praying for them. I had a professor in college who one day came in and I had him all four years. He taught Bible classes at the college I attended. In every starter class, he would pray and he would pray for his father. and He would tell us early on in my freshman year, I've been praying for my father's salvation for 40-something years. And I remember my senior year, he came in weeping. He said, I got news to share with y'all. This weekend, my dad, after 45 years of prayer, invited Jesus into his life. Never give up. Pray. Be intentional in those prayers. Make it a habit. You're going to think I'm crazy. Again, I'm not going to write a prescriptive book that says, this is how you should pray for the lost and do it like this. It's unique to how God has wired each and every one of you to participate in these things. And I think we fall into traps if we try to do it like how that person does or how that person does it. You can grab different ideas. I'm not saying there's not fruit in that, but you're going to think I'm crazy. I've been doing this since I was 18. I did it this past Sunday. When I see an airplane in the sky, I stop. And when we had the sunrise service, when Pastor Kim was preaching, there was a plane that came across, and I stop and I wonder, who's on that plane? Where are they going? What are they doing? They're not in the Easter service this morning. Are they, are they going to visit family for the first time since the pandemic? And I began to ask questions that then lead me into, Lord, I just want to pray for every soul in that airplane. That someone is a Christian on there that's going to tell them. I just begin to pray for them. And that may sound crazy, but that's my way of engaging in the now what question. That's one of the small ways I do it. And you begin to do that in all kinds of ways. I, street names when I'm driving around and billboards. Sometimes there'll be a name of someone that I remember in high school from 20 years ago, and I just pray for them. Find what works for you that gets you to that place of discipline that you're praying for those who need the good news that we've been talking about and celebrating. Now, what? What are we doing? How are we pursuing the heart of God? Are we on mission? When we engage people around us, it's not because we're supposed to or it's our duty, even though there's aspects of that. The motivation isn't that. The motivation is from a, coming from a place of thankfulness for what Christ has done for us. It's because I love him. The motivation is love for our Savior. And we want to be a part of what he's doing. You're overwhelmed for all he's done for you. Sometimes when we're going through the hard times of life, it's hard to see that. I have often find for me, it's when I focus and reorient myself back on the mission that God begins to pull me out of some of those hard times. Just a few closing thoughts here. There's a group that right now is preparing to hand out Bibles in a country I can't mention that is 99% Muslim. Pray for them. They're going to go engage them at their holy festival and hand out Bibles. There's a group that uh, just got arrested a pastor who is sending balloons of Bible tracts into North Korea um, and he's been doing it for about seven years and uh, he just got arrested. He's in jail right now. Pray for him. In Liberia right now we're trying to set up a a system that we can do a holistic approach to to helping people because the kids come to church and they come to school and they get one meal a day and it's usually at supper. If the night before, when mom's making some sandals, she can go into Monrovia and sell those. She might get enough money to feed them. What I'm trying to say is the need is great around the world. Find where God wants you to connect, and let's get to work. There's at-risk youth and young people all around us, even right here where we live. We were at my family were at an event recently, and my heart was broken because I saw three kids walk up to where we're at, and they were under the age of 15. And uh, we are at a pond, and my boys were. Catching fish left and right, having an exciting time, and, and they're over there not even knowing how to hold the fish pole. They're the fishing pole. So I walked up to them and just started fishing with them and showing them how to do it. There's kids, youth all around us. Just need you to hang out with them. Hang out with them for the love of Jesus. There's church partners and organizations all around us that would love for you to come be a part of them and get to work. And it, being a sixth grade small group teacher here at the youth group, I, I, don't, I, I don't wish that ministry on anybody. It's difficult. But I love them. I love those kids. And Ian sets up our small group time wonderfully with, with the Word of God. And the last few weeks before spring break, our sixth grade small group, I've uh, been leading the, the young men through strategies of how to pray. And this pat, last one before spring break, um, I, I said, last, just any request on your heart, just pray for them. And um, I hear one of the sixth graders begin to pray for the salvation of one of their classmates. He, he said, I talked to them this week and they don't believe in God. And, and it wasn't a polished prayer. It wasn't, uh, the words weren't all clean cut, which they shouldn't be, it was his heart. And he prayed, Lord, will you save my friend? It convicted me tremendously Because on my list of prayer, other than some family members, it's gotten shorter, and I have neglected that myself. When's the last time you've interceded for someone to come to know Jesus? I'm going to close with this quote from N.T. Wright to help answer the now what question. If you promise the post-pandemic world a spiritual experience of Jesus here and now or a heavenly life after death, most people will just shrug their shoulders. That's not going to help rebuild the economy. It won't provide jobs for the millions now out of work. It'll be cold comfort for those who have lost loved ones. We would be at the same place as Martha when Jesus challenged her about the resurrection of her brother Lazarus. Yes, she says, I know my brother will rise at the last day, and Jesus' response is what we need to hear today. I am the resurrection in the life. Resurrection isn't just a long-distance far-off hope That will be in heaven one day. It's a person. And it. He. Jesus has come forward from God's ultimate future. To burst into the present with new life and new hope. That was and is the message the world needs. After all the Easter story in the gospels. Do not end up with people saying. He lives within my heart. In order do people say in those stories. In Acts the first church. All right let's just stay at home, we're going to go to heaven one day. They end up with people saying, Jesus is raised, therefore a new creation has begun in me, and we have a job to do to tell others about it. There's a straight line from the heaven on earth reality of the resurrection of Jesus to the heaven on earth of us doing something about it with his followers. And by his spirit, we can be the difference the world needs. We can make the difference the world needs. So I ask you, as we close in prayer, how are you going to answer the now what question? Father God, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for your word and and what the whole point of it all was to come to know you in a relationship that you made happen. Nothing that we could do. And that Lord, as we begin to answer this now what question, let's be people who join in in what you're doing around the world here in the church, in the community, and to the uttermost parts of nations all around us. Lord, give us that desire. Lord, let you help us to begin to look the ways throughout our life, the things that we do that are not bad, but Lord, help us to make sure the all fit into that crystal clear call to tell others about you, to serve others, to love others, because that's what it's all about. It's what you did for us, and we've experienced it how dare we keep it to ourselves? We love you.